Hello, Opera After Dark listeners. This episode is a very special episode to us here at the OAD team. We recorded this on location in Scotland last year when we were there for the wedding of our very own Elspeth Davis. So naturally, being in Scotland for a wedding, there's only one topic for us to discuss. Please remember that we recorded this from a tower in Scotland uh, on a day that we were feeling a little rough, and the recording is also a little rough, but we couldn't help but share this with you. Enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Opera After Dark. Yay! Yay! Very special episode for you today because we are recording um, in a castle. Yes. In a castle. In Scotland. <laughs> up in the tower. We are up in the tower. Yeah. And I guess we should say now that we're, at least two of us are hungover. <laughs> right. Well, all three of us should be. I'm a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> And I it, had amazing rhubarb and ginger gin. I got the last glass. You did. You got the last glass. Nice. It was superb. In case you're wondering, we are in a castle and also hung over because last night we were in the castle for Elspeth's wedding. Yay! Elspeth is now married. I'm now married. We're all married now. I know. Thank goodness. Opera After Dark has like a, a spouse's contingent. Now. We do. Yes. Right. They're all downstairs doing work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, we why we are love not. them so much. We are not. This is work. But yeah, this is pretty exciting. I yeah. think, um, is this your guys' first trip to This is my first like Scotland? actual trip to Scotland. Mm-hmm. I had a 24-hour layover not too long ago but it's the first time i'm actually spending legitimate time in scotland and it's so beautiful it is mind-blowingly beautiful this is my first time in scotland Mm -hmm. it's green and there are sheep everywhere you said it was a lot like canada (laughs) well this is my i didn't really know what to expect but i feel like scotland is like a miniaturized version of british columbia Mm -hmm. the climate is exactly the same Mm. and like the landscape is just it's just like BC, but if you cut it in half height-wise. Mm-hmm. So, like, the ro- it's like rolling hills and, like, staggered mountains and so green and lush. And there's not as many sheep in BC. Right. Um, but the one thing I will say that I noticed that was different was Scotland has this, like, really pretty golden grass mm-hmm. that kind of grows along the hillsides amongst this super lush green color and so it gives everything this like pretty golden dreamy hue mm-hmm. so yeah. i'm a fan <laughs> listeners of the podcast will know that elspeth comes from scottish people i do my mom is from the area that we are in which is why we got married here yeah and yeah it's pretty great and out of curiosity or, or i guess clarifying the, the area that we are in is selkirk we're in Selkirk. We're in the borders, um, which means that's the border between Scotland and England. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are in, I guess technically it's not a castle. It's called a Pell Tower, and it was built to defend the Scottish from the English. So nice. um, if you ever happen to visit upon it, um, there are little holes everywhere that are covered with glass now, but were used back then um, for defense. So you could shoot arrows out of them without being exposed to the enemy yeah which is pretty cool yeah elspeth i also want to take a moment to talk about last night like oh sure okay we were just saying (laughs) we've decided that it was 
like the best wedding. The oh, that was the window. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the best wedding ever. Yes. Aww. It was really, really Thanks, great. Guys. Super classy and really fun. That's us. I just we had so classy and much fun. fun. Yeah. Good. Just so yes. people know, it. I mean, we had great cocktails. There was a whole like cheese hour. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. There was a live Kaylee band and. Kaylee dancing. We learned Kaylee dancing. What's the famous line from the Kaylee dance? Oh, turn the lady. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wonder, so um, there was a small Scottish contingent, but most of the people at the wedding were from America, and the band was obviously Scottish, and I just wonder if they thought we were all idiots, because by the time, <laughs> like, the second half of Kaylee dancing started, when everybody had eaten, like, cake and cheese and drunk for an additional, like, 45 minutes, mm-hmm. um, every time they gave an instruction, we would incorporate it into the dance, so everybody is, like, singing the instructions along as we're trying to figure out, we're like, pivot and back to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and pivot. Not to mention. And turn the lady. And I wonder if they were like, God, these people are idiots. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Also, the fact that so Elspeth's husband, yeah, you know, <laughs> Elspeth's husband Ian um, is a percussionist, a very successful percussionist, mm-hmm. and his percussion ensemble Sandbox were all in attendance. And there was a dance that we did that required like a sixteen count. Yes, <laughs> and the per- these percussionists were very into the counting, yes. which I was not surprised by. And uh, at one point, like when. The Kaylee band was walking us through the 16 counts, and the time that everyone actually got it, uh-huh. one of Sandbox just yelled, Hell yeah! <laughs> and, and the Kaylee band was very amused. <laughs> it was. It was really good. Yeah, they busted up when we started just yelling, Turn the lady! <laughs> Oh man! It's a lot of fun. So if you ever find yourself in a situation where you're Kaylee dancing, or someone is trying right. to teach you how to Kaylee dance, I I recommend going for it. But please note that when they actually do it, it is way faster than you anticipate. Oh yeah, it's, I was just, winded. Yeah, <laughs> I was so dizzy after the one. It was kind of like a zipper where you're like turning mm-hmm. with a different partner all the way down the oh, line. Yes, yes. And there was another one that involved a lot of turning of the lady, and <laughs> I was. I know. Like, by by the third or fourth round of the dance, I was like, could not really stand straight. If you you had stopped cold, I would have probably fallen over. And Denver was like holding me from just twirling off into some other person. Yeah. (laughs) Olivia elected to skip some of the turning of the lady. Mm -hmm. That's fair. I would go to turn and she would just... She'd be like... She'd just move her arm around her head. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good on the turns here. We skipped a bunch of the polkas because we were not. <laughs> well, because my my dress is very twirly, so when we did turn the lady, I would just be like, Ooh, and then we'd realize that we missed eight counts. Oh yeah, yes. and we're like, yeah. just 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 move, just yeah, move. Yeah, you guys will have to, and by you guys I mean audience will have to uh, check out our social media because oh, no. Naomi and I have captured some nice moments. Nothing. Oh, yes. We really did not go overkill. No, I, we that didn't. is something that I I. Genuine, generally don't like is when everybody has their phone out for like a whole wedding yeah and you just mm-hmm. want to enjoy it but there were some pretty great moments like right when we arrived so elspeth and ian coordinated to have everybody who's staying in the small town by the wedding venue like bust into the wedding which was mm-hmm. a great touch oh, it was yes. really nice but we arrived in this little like mini bus and 
like when we pulled up, there's a bagpiper <laughs> welcoming us, and yeah. we all sort of freaked out when we got out of the van. We're like, oh my god, this is a bagpiper! And, and Ian is standing there with like a scotch in his hand. Right, Ian is there for the groom's reception. Ah, oh. yes, which is a thing they do here apparently because it takes like. 20 minutes for the men to get ready oh, yeah. and it right. took us like six hours <laughs> <laughs> what time did you start like nine your, oh the wedding was at 3 yeah. yeah like the ceremony mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's yeah. good it's <laughs> a good chunk of time yeah. it did not take me that long no not I'm surprisingly sure yeah. <laughs> yeah but mm. yeah i took like one twelfth the time to get ready and i looked one twelfth as beautiful so Aww, <laughs> nailed it. Well, Elspeth was a gorgeous bride. Yeah. Aw, thanks. And everything, we were talking yesterday about how, like, everything went perfectly, we felt. Yeah. Atten- yeah. As an attendee, we oh, were like, yes. this literally went, like, as smoothly as possible and perfectly. It, it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Shall we talk about some opera? Let's let's Some... talk about opera. We figured since we're in Scotland that there's one opera that springs to mind, to the most appropriate. Particularly for this weekend. Particularly for this weekend, which thankfully no one has died yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, Lucia de Lammermoor by Donizetti. Lucia de Lammermoor. Lucy of Lammermoor by Sir Walter Scott. Right. And Lammermoor is but a stone's throw. From where we are now. We are very close to the Lammermuir Hills. Right. Mm-hmm. And Sir Walter Scott uh, spent the remaining years of his life in Selkirk, where mm-hmm. he appointed himself <laughs> either like sheriff or justice of the peace. Something like he that. He was Something in like that. real he close a... with the Duke of Roxbury? Or sure. Yeah. Either that or a name that I definitely cannot pronounce, so I won't even try. Yes. So um, it was like, I want to do this, and the Duke said, yeah, that's, yeah. that's But fine. there's like a, there's a courthouse... That he presided over. Mm-hmm. That's like the thing to see in Selkirk. Mm-hmm. I went for a, a guided tour. So, oh, you did? Yes. So tell us about it. You know now. Well, he basically, Sir Walter Scott was in really close with this duke. And the duke kind of like instated him, probably at his his own request, mm-hmm. um, to be the, the, sh- the sheriff or justice of the peace, like equivalent. The sheer, I think they called them. Ooh, okay. The sheer. Um, and... He would kind of come here for like s- several months of the year, and he would they would like hear all the court cases, and he would decide on things. But there's this famous story about one one fellow who he he didn't steal something, or it was something really crazy, like either like simple, like a wagon wheel, or like he needed something to help on the farm, and then he got in trouble for taking it or procuring it, and then. Sir Walter's, or he was fined like 200 pounds or whatever the equivalent was. And this fellow named Thomas was like, I can't possibly pay that. I have like a wife and children to feed. And so then the legend is that when he went to go like do, turn himself in to do, I guess, jail time instead of like being unable to pay the fine, someone had paid the fine for him. Mm. And then a few weeks later, Thomas and his family had been moved to Abbotsford Castle, where, which is Sir Walter Scott's estate, and he ended up working for Sir Walter Scott. And oh. so they hmm. think that Sir Walter Scott, who like made a lot of money and then lost a lot of money and then made a lot of money and then lost a lot of money throughout his life, hmm. when he was in a period of having a lot of money, like f- sympathized with this man and paid 
That's nice. His, his fine. That is nice. And then employed him in, to give him a better life. But, yeah. Oh, no, I'm not a bad dude. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he seemed like a good guy. And he was a writer, so he wrote a ton of stuff that's really mm-hmm. important. And that's kind of how he made his money. But then, towards the end of his life... His mode of writing was considered old-fashioned. So then, like, when he was older, he was kind of considered, like, not trendy enough anymore. Because mm. all of his writing was, like, historical historical novels and things mm-hmm. like that. And the yeah. writing trends were changing, so... And you said that yesterday, on your tour of the museum, there was a slight misconception by the tour guide. So I'm not oh, sure if it's no. just that I did not per- I did not catch everything he was saying <laughs> Which because is all, he was speaking was... very fast with a thick accent. It's okay. possible. But mm-hmm. he, there was this this like billboard, this tall display and it said um, it was talking about the operas that are connected to Sir Walter Scott and there was a big picture of Donizetti on it and then the tour guide said we've covered the ABCs of Sir Walter Scott but do you know what the O stands for? And at the in the moment, I could not figure out where he was going with that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "It stands for opera." And then he told, he said, "So you might not know this, but Sir Walter Scott wrote many operas." <laughs> and then he said, "There was a, there was a composer who was here oh. not that long ago. He was a young fellow from Hawaii who." When I said this, he said, really, I didn't know this. And I asked him, well, what do you do for a living? And he said, I'm a composer. And he said, well, then you should know that Sir Walter Scott wrote many operas. So, yeah, he, he, I think he thinks that Sir Walter Scott wrote the operas. But if you actually read the billboard, it's clear that composers like Rossini, Donizetti, and they had Bizet listed. I have to look into that one. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um all wrote operas that were drawn, or the story is source material from a Sir Walter Scott novel or poem or literary work. Mm-hmm. So, which is very factual yes. that mm-hmm. he he wrote the source material yes. that was in it. So Donizetti is Lucia de Lammermoor is based on the Bride of Lammermoor novel, mm-hmm. but it was actually not the first opera that was. That turned that particular source material into oh, an opera. Oh, really? Yeah, you've definitely never heard of the other ones. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Have I heard of the composers? <laughs> Probably not. Um, <laughs> That's. It depends on who you're talking to. If you say it to Elspeth, you go probably, and then look at me. <laughs> Probably not. not. Um, so. Donizetti's opera, the libretto, is by Salvadore Camerino. So mm-hmm. it's like an Italian translation of mm-hmm. the, the English novel. Um, but before Donizetti, there were actually five other operas based on the novel, including works by Michel Carafa. You might, you might have heard of him. Sadly, um, no. Alberto Mazzucato, Luigi Rieschi, and a Danish composer named Ivan Frederick Bredel. Hmm. So, no. And apparently Donizetti and Camerino were familiar with a couple of these, mm-hmm. but not all of them. Um, and were they all, like, within the close time they're period? They're all a pretty close time period that they were written. Um, and they definitely borrowed ideas from these other operas because apparently the other operas were not really great in kind of dramatic structure and kind of mm-hmm. character arc and story arc. So they kind of took the best bits 
or the best schematics yeah. from these other works and then kind of abandoned the rest. Well, so. this, this might be a good time to mention kind of like the Scottish fever. Yes. Yeah. Because, so this is all close time period that all of these different people are composing an opera on this same story and other Scottish stories like La Donna del Lago, mm-hmm. Macbeth mm-hmm. is a Scottish story. Are there yeah. any other ones that come to mind? Um, well, isn't it something of Kenilworth? Isn't that have? Probably. I think so. But it was mainly in Italy. Right, Italian right. composers became um, obsessed with all things Scotland yeah. around Which, like the 19th, early 19th yeah, century. Like yeah, like early, yeah. early 1800s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the first half of the 1800s. And like some of the theory is that the Italians, like Italy at that time wasn't really a, a country mm-hmm. yet. And uh, so they were, there's all these like tiny, smaller municipalities that had different kind of rulers or governments. And they were kind of fascinated by this idea of like a monarch that mm-hmm. is ruling or attempting to rule over a vast area. And the mm. kind of like English-Scottish relations were very interesting to them. And then right. also just like the highlands and like clans and these kinds of things were like very romanticized for them. They they thought it was like, oh, so dramatic and, mm-hmm. and exotic, right? And it's like cold and mountainous and all right, this right. kind of thing. So, well, we still, yeah. I mean, quite obviously, we still have Scottish fever now. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I am burning up with Scottish fever. <laughs> I gotta do this come here because it's like this magical land. It well, yeah. is. But you, you know. see, I mean, I think that's why so many people like Outlander is it's this like fantastical, I mean, it, it is time traveling too. There's that element, right. but people think of like the Scottish Highlands and it's just like the most romantic, yeah. like beautiful place. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, if you think about it, we're sitting in a building that was built, I think in 1517. So it right. predates like America as we know it. Yes. Yes. By over two hundred years, right? Right. It's twenty it was built twenty five years after Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Right, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They were sitting by this same fireplace. Yeah, and yeah. it's easy just to look out the window or look out anywhere in this country and be like, This is probably what this has looked like. Seriously. For five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred years whatever yeah, you can go uh-huh. visit edinburgh castle which was built in like 900 ad like That's the amazing. oldest part of it it's still there yeah just hanging out it's pretty great it's amazing yeah. so then oddly enough since we're here for a wedding weekend mm-hmm. and perhaps the most famous scottish in quote scottish opera is lucia mm-hmm. di lammermoor mm-hmm. Ends with the wedding. It does end with a wedding. Yes, a not so great and it, ending. Right, right. right. Should yes. we spoil it? I think it's been around long enough. <laughs> that people don't know. Um, I think. Wait, does she die at the end? Yeah, yes. she does die at the end. So obviously, it is one of those things where you know it's named after a person, so they're not. They're not going to make it, especially a woman. Yeah. Right, but she's not the only one that dies. That's true. She kills someone. Her. And someone kills themselves. And someone kills themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite a bloody affair, which... It is. With that in mind, I thought it was a bold move that you cut your cake with a sword. <gasps> yes. <laughs> Thank God the photographer was there to, like, help us, because no one else was, and Ian picked it up. He's like, so do we just cut this cake, like, right down the middle? <laughs> and I was like, I don't think so. It was awesome. That can He we... was like, just cut, just cut the bottom layer, like, a little bit. Can we put a picture of that on... 
the medias? You can say no. If there's a good picture of it, sure. Okay, well, I have a few on my phone. Okay, I'll just. I actually have a video on my phone. I'll send oh, yeah. it to you. Okay. Yeah. Don't worry, I won't publish that. <laughs> but yeah, that was really cool, cutting the cake with a sword. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, clearly Ian doesn't know his his operas because he would then was willing to roll the dice on sleeping in a room with swords hanging on the wall. Well, we should explain it a little bit. Yes. Like, yeah. Ian and I chose each other, so it's like, anyone <laughs> forced me to marry him, which is not what happened <laughs> right. to, true. to that Lucia. That is true. Uh -huh. Yes. So, so the story of Lucia de Lama I hope my comparison hasn't offended you. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kyle's just getting carried away with the romanticizing I of being in Scotland. Mm -hmm. um, so Lucia de Lammermoor, the story is that it's pretty simple in that Lucy or Lucia mm -hmm. is the daughter of um, the Lammermoor family, right? right? And she is in love with the son of like their blood enemy or like centuries-old rival. So it's like the mm. Romeo and Juliet yes. situation. Edgardo of Ravenswood. Mm -hmm. right. right. And her... So Lucia's brother, it kind of seems like in the opera her father's like nowhere to be seen um, and her brother runs the family and her brother decides that it's time for Lucia to marry and he has picked somebody for her to marry. Her brother is Enrico. Enrico. And they are the Ashtons of Lamamore. So Lucy or Lucia Ashton. Her mm -hmm. brother is Enrico. Um, Edgardo of Ravenswood is her, her Lover. forbidden her love. love. Yeah. Um, and Arturo is her, her groom. The, the man that her brothers basically forced her to marry. Mm -hmm. And Arthur. Arthur, yes. <laughs> right. So Another tenor. Yes. Right. The evil tenor. Yes. He's an evil tenor and a good tenor. Right. Hey. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that great? I'm of all course. For, I'm all for, for more tenors. I know you are. Brother Enrico <laughs> is a baritone. Right. Uh. Yeah. So, so Lucia and Edgardo, they've basically like pledged their love to each other. They've exchanged rings like in secret in the forest mm -hmm. and they plan, he has to go away but as soon as he gets back, he, they're going to get married. Mm -hmm. And then while he's gone, um, Lucy's brother kind of gets wind of the fact that she's in love with his enemy. And so he like fakes a letter or fakes some way of trying to convince Lucia that Edgardo has been unfaithful to her. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And in doing this, he convinces her to marry Arturo who through his wealth and power and whatever, and through this marriage is going to like save their family from some kind of, you know, possible ruin. Right. So Lucia agrees with it. She marries him. And right as she signs the wedding contract in the opera, um, who bursts through the door, mm. but Enrico. Uh. He's like, what are you doing? Yeah, there's this horrible <laughs> scene on, where man. it's like, he kind of blames her. Right. He's like, how can you do this to me? Like faithless woman. And, mm -hmm. and, right. And there's like a duel that's going to break out, and then that leads to the the very famous sextet, where like Lucia, her brother Arturo, Edgardo, and like the chaplain guy, and Lucia's <laughs> maid, the only mezzo in this. Yes, and Lucia's <laughs> maid, <laughs> <laughs> whose name is Aliza. Aliza. Yes, they sing a sextet, which has gone down in history as being extremely famous, called the Seven Dollar Sextet. 
because back in the day when recording technology was really young, you could fit that length of a piece time-wise on the back on one side of an LP or mm. record. And so it was recorded with Enrico Caruso and a whole like star-studded nice. cast of sextet. And it cost $7 at the time to purchase. Which is expensive. Ooh, that was Which expensive. Is expensive. Yes. So wow. it went down in history as like the $7 sex tech. Is that recording available? It is available. Could we Ooh. listen to it? Yeah. Okay. So here is. Part of. Part of. <laughs> yeah. We don't have $7 worth. Right. Right. Here's two of $7 <laughs> of the $7 sex tech. Yes. scenes probably in all of opera yes because lucia and arturo are kind of taken upstairs to the bridal suite for the bedding Mm -hmm. yes that and i've watched too much game of thrones yes and and outlander yes and everyone's like partying in the great hall below Uh and then all of a sudden there's this horrible scream and lucia appears at the top of the stairs and it's almost always done this way there's like a giant staircase Mm -hmm. in the set Mm -hmm. and her wedding dress is covered in blood and she is gives me the heebie-jeebies just like thinking about it yeah well i mean it was a gothic novel right well Mm -hmm. i not to talk about myself no but something similar that did happen last night is that um i was running around barefoot because my shoes hurt stomping around kaylee dancing and i hit the back of my heel 
And then I look down, there's like blood all over the bottom of my dress. So yes. I think what I'll remember most from this wedding is being in the bathroom with Ian, just like trying to sponge off as much of the no. blood as possible before we go get it dry cleaned. We're like, it's fine, it's fine, but we kept finding it like everywhere on the hem. <laughs> yeah, that is hilarious. I did see when you like showed that you had a Band-Aid on, you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's all good. It's I just assumed good. you had like a blister or something. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I was, like, I was like, I can't stain the dress. Right. <laughs> but then when am I going to wear it? So it doesn't matter. <laughs> so we've left this big okay. cliffhanger. Right. Yeah. She so comes to the top of the stairs. What has happened? Covered in blood. blood. Three she, guesses. Right. <laughs> she descends the staircase. And as she's doing that, you hear this incredibly beautiful but somewhat creepy melody. And it is, in the original score, it is supposed to be played by a glass harmonica. Mm-hmm. Oh. Which has this like very ethereal and otherworldly kind of sound to mm-hmm. it. Um, the pitches are like there, but a little bit wonky. And so she descends the staircase and she's hallucinating or it is the quintessential mad scene. Yes, where our the famous, most famous mad most scene, famous I would mad say. Scene where our female heroine, our leading lady... Life has become oppressed her to such a point where the her only way out or her only way of the only thing left for her is to go completely crazy, right? With because she's been forced into such horrible circumstances, mm-hmm. and so she is hallucinating and she's singing, and it's so heart wrenching because she's like bringing back melodies that you hear earlier in the opera when she has this beautiful love duet with Edgardo, and she's like imagining that it is her wedding day but to Edgardo Mm -hmm. and then you hear the love duet melody and then through this scene the the wedding guests figure out that she has murdered her bridegroom right um in in the bridal suite and before descending the staircase which is why she's covered in blood right and then she has this very long very long scene where the mad scene allows the soprano to kind of show off all of the bel canto bells and whistles, like every vocal right. trick that they're able to do, and they can improvise things. And and that was like a trope of yes, the opera. Like every opera had a mad scene in it. Right, yeah, right. I was gonna say, is that is this when that started, or it was already in full Don swing? Donizetti was like the king of mad scenes. I think he wrote like thirty of them. Or yeah. Something oh yeah. Like that. At that time, he had really. You were really getting into like star sopranos, like Nelly mm-hmm. Melba yeah. and all of these people. Well, I guess before this, he did um, Anna Bolena. There yeah. was a man scene. Which also has a that. pretty famous yeah. man scene in that. And Anna Bolena was the opera that like really catapulted him to stardom. And so. Right. So he's like, yeah. well, it worked this time. Also, <laughs> Let's do it again. To, yeah. You have to make these stars happy. So yes. um, this is their opportunity to like really show everybody what mm-hmm. it is that they can do. And also in that time period, like in the early 1800s, society was becoming fascinated with madness, specifically with female Mm. madness. And so, like, people Mm -hmm. would actually go on, like, tours of insane asylums and that type of thing. And... Weird. Yeah, in... Predominantly in England, England, like, if you think of Bedlam, like, a very famous insane asylum in England. Mm -hmm. And... And also, kind of added to this, Donizetti himself, at this point, by the time he wrote Lucia, was struggling with the side effects of syphilis and, like, both depression and hallucinations and like feel a feeling of madness yeah. was something that he had like personal experience with on and off for several years by the time he wrote Lucia. And so 
people believe that one of the reasons why Lucia is such an amazing opera musically is because he so deeply felt Mm. Lucy's situation himself, like in a slightly different way, but he could sympathize with those feelings. And so it was a very kind of like personalized score Mm -hmm. because he had direct experience with that type of state. So, So, So who does a really good mad scene? Oh, there's a lot of people. I don't know. Joan Sutherland, right? Joan Sutherland does an amazing one. Um, she does one where it became very popular when because gla- glass harmonica players are hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a temperamental instrument. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and so if you can't, and not all orchestras can afford to hire a glass harmonica player, so if you can't have a glass harmonica, that part is played by a flute. Mm-hmm. And Joan Sutherland was not the person to pioneer this, but she certainly made this very popular doing like a duet in the mad scene an improvised section between Lucia and the flute where like the flute is her inner hmm. mind sort of hmm. thing. Um, so we can listen to a little bit of, of that. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah.
say for the record, there's a great production by the Bayerischer Staatsoper where Deanna Damrau is singing mm-hmm. Lucia. And I say it's a great production because it's like a Reggie Teatro production where they like set the whole thing in like 1950s, like JFK era US. Mm. And Lucia comes down with a gun that she's waving around and it is terrifying. Right. Like, the the whole thing just and the way Deanna Damrell like gives 110% in that characterization mm-hmm. is a really fascinating production. So I recommend it. You can watch it on Medici TV. So Oh, very yeah. nice. Yeah. Got to get hooked up on that Medici. Yeah. Right. Everybody check that out. Okay, so what happens? Lucia. Oh, right. How does this opera end? <laughs> she kills this guy. She kills this guy. She she sings her mad scene. She actually like sings herself to death, essentially. And, yeah. And expires, as one does. As one does. And then Edgardo feels so horrible mm-hmm. about the fact that he basically called her a faithless, horrible whore in front of everybody. Uh. And, he, and he wasn't there to... Be there for her when she needed him when she was like being forced into this horrible situation that he's like gonna go out and have a duel i think with with her brother mm-hmm. in the woods and then but it ends up being that he's just so in such despair at what has transpired that he kills himself at the end of the opera so that's the mm-hmm. final scene is his kind of he can't bear this life without her so he and with what he's done yeah so he this joins is... her in death Again, something Depressing. that could have been resolved if two people decided to have a conversation. Right. Yeah. Right. That's why didn't yes. she wait to talk to him and be like? Also, when he walked in there, why did why didn't he ask like, like, did you consent to this? Are you were you like willing to do this? Like women, he knows what women at the time had to endure. Right, like, right. like he must have known. He should have known that, you know, she didn't have a lot of options or rights or. Yeah. Like recourse to really stand her ground. When, so. What time period is the storyline of the opera set? Is it contemporary to when it was written? Or are we thinking it's no, earlier? No, it's earlier. It's yeah. because yeah. Sir Walter Scott was oh, right, all about right. writing like historical romances at that time. Okay, right? so much, so, much earlier. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, productions do it all different times. All periods. different times. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Well, speaking of time periods. It's about time for us to... Go get some brunch. Right, to yeah. wrap up. Just, just in case anybody's wondering, it is actually the morning after <laughs> Elspeth's wedding. Uh, that is, this is how dedicated she is to yes, Exactly. I know that the people want it. We've been getting messages. Yeah. So, yeah, give the people... Give the they, people what they want. Yeah, that is... It is true dedication. We and Naomi also, and I both said coming up to this, we were like... you. You're sure you want to do this <laughs> right. the day after your wedding. But we happened. have to say that we feel very lucky to all be here together. Yeah. It's such a great yeah. experience. It's once in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. truly, yeah. truly well, we been should, wonderful. We should all just come back. We should. Right, right. Yeah. Everybody wants to move here now. So What's the name of the, is it, it's the Fringe Festival? That's the big arts festival in Edinburgh? It's a big independent arts festival. Ah. Mm-hmm. We, so we just got to tap into that somehow. Isn't Ian coming next year? I think I heard that. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. <laughs> we'll Opera. just piggyback on that. Right. <laughs> Opera After Dark on the Fringe Festival. Yeah. There's enough room. New life goal. circuit. Yeah. There, so. There's enough room in, in Ian's bedroom, right? We can oh, all... Totally. <laughs> of course. That's good for a new marriage. Yeah. yeah. We can turn his marimba case into a bed. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> it'll be fine. <laughs> 
Well, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in for this yeah, special edition of Opera After Dark, recorded in Scotland. Yeah, and pay attention to our social media because Naomi and Kyle will be taking a tour of Scotland, taking many pictures related to this episode that they'll be posting. I've yes. been told. Yes, okay. yes, it's gonna be it's gonna be a grand old time, and Good we'll be too. sure to check in about the the details of our road trip. And mm-hmm. yes, yes, it, it'll it will surely be entertaining. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you find us on social media. I'm Kyle. I'm Naomi. And I'm Elspeth. Bye. Bye. How do we say bye? What's like a Scottish goodbye? Mm. (laughs) A wee goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.